0: In 2013, nobody gets out of L.A. alive. Until now, Snake is back on our pilot episode of
1: Brains Stew.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode, a pilot episode, the Epic Film Guys podcast presents brain stew. My name is Justin. I'd like to introduce my good friend Jeremy.
2: How's it going Justin?
0: It's going fucking amazing dude. I'm like beyond excited right now because we're doing this thing. This is a brand new thing that we're doing and we hope every single one of you out there are going to enjoy the shit out of it. This is the segment where we'll be talking about horror, cult flicks and literally whatever the fuck we feel like talking about. That's what this is all about tonight and of course we have to be joined by the certified horror guy himself Gerald of Two Peas on a Pod oh dude there it is he's pointing at it right at his wall he has a plaque it's there it says horror guy what's up dude
1: what's up fellas Justin, uh, you again?
0: Yeah, me again. We, we're <laughs> always like, on the mic together. It's like four episodes in a row, dude.
1: So I'm so glad Jeremy's here. <laughs> Give me a little refreshment. But nah, I'm just kidding, man. I love you. And Jeremy, nice to meet you, brother. And I'm excited for this, you guys. <laughs> you're,
0: you're, excited. Oh, yeah. you're excited for Escape from L.A.? <laughs> you, no, just well. you just said yeah. that. You just said that.
1: I don't want to give away my thoughts on that, but I'm excited for the whole brainstorm thing, man. I think it's fucking awesome and I love you and I'm really excited for Jeremy to be a part of it. I know it's new for him to be in the podcast and games. That's very exciting. I can remember when I started five years ago and you know, it's a cool it's a cool outlet, it's a cool community and uh, I'm just I'm pumped for you guys and I'm glad that I'm here on the inaugural pilot, man. That's a big deal. So
2: thanks so much for having me, man.
0: Yeah. Of course, we wouldn't have it any other way.
2: Justin, we've talked about maybe doing something for for how long podcast wise, man? Like five years, six years?
0: I think ever since I met you, and you knew that I was already doing a show, and when you first listened to the show, I think when EFG was still like starting to really catch its stride, you were like, "Dude, we should do something someday." And then, you know, yeah, you're right. We talked about it time and time again, and now it's finally happening. So. Yeah, fucking. I mean, shit happens, man. Now we're here and we're talking about uh, the 25th anniversary of Escape from L.A. But obviously, you know, I wanted to pick a movie. It's right now celebrating its 25th anniversary this month. And of course, you being like the carpenter aficionado that you are. I was like, let's 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 do a movie. You know, surprisingly, guys, I mean, I kind of thought about this in my head. The anniversary happened the other day. We're a little bit late on this, but I didn't see like any I saw barely any coverage from anybody like there is no real fan reaction no one's really celebrating it I think I saw one article or whatever but this is not one of Carpenter's films that gets discussed a lot it was released on August 9th 1996 with a budget of 50 million dollars uh by the way 10 million of that was paid to Kurt Russell himself and it came in with a lackluster 25.5 million dollars this was not a hit for Carpenter at all it was not the return even though I mean the original film which we all know is a cult classic we're going to try our best to not discuss that that One, uh, because you really don't want to, it's hard to compare the two, they're totally different. I mean, things. I was
1: gonna say, I was gonna say, in a roundabout way, we'll kind of be talking about uh, it, I guess, in LA,
0: <laughs> but yeah, so I want to go around the horn here, guys. Uh, I'll start with you, Jeremy. What was your first introduction to this movie? Do you remember the first time you watched it?
2: Uh, yeah, so I probably watched it maybe 15 years ago or so, 10 years ago. And I I had seen Escape from New York several times and was a big fan of it. And I actually remember I I went to see a movie in theaters um, and I remember seeing the poster from uh, for Escape from from L.A. and thinking like, oh, man, Kurt Russell, that's awesome. But I I didn't see it for a long time until video. And the first time I, I watched it, I was confused. Because all the Carpenter films that I had seen to that point, I I was, you know, kind of a big fan of. And I had seen Escape from New York, and I was a fan of that. Uh, so then watching this one, tonally, it's just so different. It's so tongue-in-cheek that it uh – it was uh it was shocking to me. It was it was definitely a culture shock watching this one. So I think I enjoyed it enough, but it was definitely something that obviously I, I it's not a return visit for me very often. Except for funny enough, I watched it a month ago. So when you hit me up when you when you hit me up and you were like, Oh man, so we're gonna we're gonna do this show, I was like, Okay, cool, man. I was like biting at the bits, like, what are we gonna you know, what's the first thing that we're gonna talk about? And you were like, Yeah, dude, we're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do Escape from LA. I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> I was like, "You gotta be oh, fucking man. kidding me!" Like, out of all the things that we could launch this thing with, like, are uh, going with one of Carpenter's most wonky movies. But uh, I watched it a month ago, and uh, I definitely—it was probably only my second viewing, man, because I, I saw it that one time and i was that I was
0: is good crazy on dude yeah that's I was, crazy I was, yeah.
2: I was good on it and if i wanted to watch an escape movie i just went to you know i just went to new york with it i skipped the la train man so uh yeah strange 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 movie
0: so yeah okay well not the reaction that i was expecting to get but gerald you just said that you vote it's been like 20 years for you or some shit since you've watched this movie
1: yeah well i saw it initially so guys John Carpenter is one of my favorite filmmakers. I think Jeremy probably loves him a little bit more than I do, but I do love him. He's in my like top five filmmakers of all time. I, I just think the guy's a genius. Now, what's interesting about this movie though is I feel like that's a nick in the Carpenter timeline where it's like everything starting with Escape from LA and after is very different from Carpenter's filmography. I think and you got movies like in the nineties, like in the Mouth of Madness and Village of the Damned, some movies that he did that I was a big fan of. So I saw this when it came out. I saw this initially, and I haven't seen it since if that tells you anything and the other thing is when uh justin was talking to me about ideas for this episode and like anniversaries coming up i was like pitching him other shit i'm like stand by me's 35th anniversary is this week do you want to do that one maybe so I'm not a huge fan of this just because I feel like, I mean, it's campy and it's fun, but it's such a different, it's like a detachment from the carpenter that I knew prior to 96, in my opinion. Oh. So
0: yeah, 100% man. I mean, like sure. you
1: know, there's, there's fun stuff to take away from it, but overall it was just a bit of a letdown from what I was used to from him. You know? Sure.
0: I mean, to and, me, this, this is, this is the point in, in carpenter's career. And I know Jeremy's probably going to want to stab me in the side for even saying this, because how dare I speak negative of the God known as John carpenter. But I mean, like this, point in his career, this is where I consider Carpenter like, just taking paychecks, and I I, I think he tried here, I don't think he like, necessarily just phoned it in or anything, there is some interesting stuff um, you know, we're gonna get into some of the visuals in this fucking movie, for sure um, but Mm my first time <laughs> seeing this movie. And I think actually one of the first things you and I talked about, Jeremy, when I met you was Carpenter flicks. And this is the first John Carpenter movie I ever saw in a theater. And I was, I believe this is 96. So I was like, just out of sixth grade going into seventh grade. I was pumped <clears> that I was getting to see an R rated movie at AMC. Lois Vestal. Uh, that theater has come up a million times on the show because that is the theater with the exam table seats that Epic film guy, Nick talked about so many fucking times where he feels like he's trapped and he's going to get suffocated. Yeah. I saw it at that theater and I I recall like being excited by seeing the movie. And I will be honest. I saw this movie before I saw escape from New York. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's some sacrilege shit right there. I'm
1: actually, well, no, but I'm actually, that's actually interesting to see how that played for you then. Like, seeing the predecessor. I mean, I know you didn't want to talk about Escape from New York so much tonight, but that is interesting, because I don't know a lot of people that can say that, because they were so far apart, right? They are 15 years apart. Yeah, 81 so compared to 96. So, a lot of people don't yeah. really say that, so... That's interesting.
0: Yep, but that's that's the way it happened. And I definitely did w- watch it again, I think, on Showtime or some shit like the following summer, whenever they, they put it on there. But yeah, there's there's a lot to dig into on this movie. But really, before we get into it, there's a segment that we want to do on this show. Since our boy Jeremy has met literally every single fucking person in the horror community known to man.
1: <laughs> Close to and it. And now me too. And now me too. <laughs>
2: I'm kidding. I'm
0: joking. This is, this is our Who Has Jeremy Met? Segment.
2: So yeah, I've met I've met a couple people from uh Escape from LA, right? So of course I've met John Carpenter. He is my favorite filmmaker of all time. I think the guy's a genius. I love him. Even when he's making shitty movies, I love him. You know, like I, I own everything that he's done. I've got probably over 80 John Carpenter autographs. I've read his autobiography, I've gone to his tours. Like I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of the guy. So I've met John Carpenter. First time I got to meet John Carpenter was in 2010. He was announced for uh, his first like official convention appearance uh, which was Texas Frightmare so I immediately booked my tickets I went to uh, I went Texas and I stood in a very very long line and I met John Carpenter so it's it's very funny this this comes full circle with Escape from LA right because there is a scene in this movie where Snake Plissken has to play basketball for his life right <laughs> so, that- yeah there is There's definitely that scene that oh, scene does man. exist
1: that is Exactly.
2: <laughs> so I can I can tell you why that scene exists. John Carpenter is a massive basketball fan. So somewhere Along the way when he was writing this movie He was like we gotta have some fucking basketball In this movie it's gotta It's gotta happen so the reason I bring that up Is because the first time I met John Carpenter He was at a table and I kid you not I've never seen this I've been going to conventions for over 15 years And I have never seen this before or after again John Carpenter had a table Set up directly across from him Because the Lakers were playing So as uh. as you were meeting John Carpenter and as I was meeting John Carpenter he was literally No walking.
0: fucking way dude he
2: was literally watching the lake. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he he. That's great. He seriously would would tell people, hey hey, g- give me one second, and he'd watch the, the TV screen. He's like, okay, I'm back. All right, what what am I signing? What am I doing? But yeah, I just. <laughs> I, I, I had to I had to mention that the first time I met him, he was literally watching a basketball game. So that's why that whole thing made it into Escape from L.A. I bet.
1: You know, I don't know if I, I don't. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. I don't know if Justin knew that story, but I nope. honestly didn't know that Carpenter was a basketball fan.
0: I, until I just, just told knew me he that. liked video games. I had no idea he liked fucking basketball. Oh, dude. So that's really cool, man. Yeah, he's he's cool
2: huge, huge basketball guy. Uh, in fact, I brought uh, Justin on one of my John Carpenter adventures. It was in Washington, D.C. when. And he was performing with his band and justin brought his his wife danielle and john carpenter as soon as he came out did not care about us one bit the first he immediately locked eyes with danielle and said oh my god who brought the babe <laughs> and the biggest smile happened on Me. justin's face he was like, Damn.
1: naturally, naturally. <laughs> he said that's my w- marissa marissa tomei is what i call her i call her marissa oh tomei. there you go perfect <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> just I was striking likeness. And, like that. and yeah. I
0: remember I remember like she didn't even want to get anything signed by him. Or she just wanted a picture with him, so you had her get your pumpkin signed by John yep. Carpenter. So you got yep. more than one item signed by him at that yes, one moment. I yes, I did. Yeah.
2: She she hooked it up. Great, so man. I've met Carpenter. I've met Kurt Russell one time. Uh I met him Ooh. I met him funny enough in new york as he was leaving new york to go back home so he was literally escaping new york when i met him um so uh when when i met him he he said guys it was just me and i think like two or three other people and he goes guys guys i'm I'm so sorry i'm i'm in such a rush and i had driven all through the night because I had heard he was leaving and I kind of got some inside information. So I drove all through the night. It was early in the morning and I was like, I literally pleaded. I was like, Mr. Russell, like I drove really far. Can you just do one autograph each? He was like, "Ah." All right. All right. All right. So he he went and he went down the line and he signed one each for us. But the funniest thing is every time he signed one, he goes, you're done. Which meant do not ask me for another one. You're done. So he was like, all right, you're done. You're done. You just heard a bunch of you're done. So then he was done. But he was he was super, super nice. He was just uh he was in a rush. He was awesome. And busy. Busy guy. And the only other cast member that I can think of that I've met is is kind of a, a secret cameo cast member is Jamie Lee Curtis, because she was the narrator in the beginning when she was talking about the, the current climate of the world. About, you know, what happened to, to LA and, you know, with the president and all the new rules and stuff. That was Jamie Lee Curtis narrating that. Did you know that? I
0: did. I, I did, but like motherfucker, so hold on now. Motherfucker, your ass has met Bruce Campbell. Oh, fuck, you're, you're absolutely oh, yeah. right. Boom. Okay. I was just gonna—it's just a cameo, yeah. but I was gonna say I was like, I know for a fact you met yeah. him because yeah. before yeah. I met—that's him. where
1: I thought you were going, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but no.
0: yeah no, I knew no, I, I knew Jamie Lee right narrated, but holy shit, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. and then
2: Bruce, and then Bruce Campbell, and when I met Bruce Campbell, you know, it's—it's it's a bad idea to get something Maniac Cop signed by the guy because he's—he's very—he's <laughs> he, very open about it. He—he uh, he was going through a nasty divorce during the time that that movie was shot, so uh, he's made it public knowledge that if you bring something Maniac Cop to the table he's going to give you extra shit so he he definitely oh, wow. did yeah
0: Well, props to you. Holy shit, man. Yeah, props to you, dude. (laughs) Hell yeah. I mean, this is, that's what, this is, ladies and gentlemen, you have no fucking idea the stories that we're going to get into on these episodes with Jeremy meeting people. He didn't even get into the deep nature of a lot of that shit he was talking about. But we got to, we got to move along with the movie, of course. Um, course. But I'm looking forward to you telling those stories because I know most of them. And uh, sometimes I forget. And sometimes there are stories like I didn't know some of the stuff you were talking about there. So it's always part of the fun of hanging out with you and getting, the history of these fucking random crazy adventures you have and we know you guys are going to enjoy them too because it's you're going to live vicariously through this motherfucker not anyone on the the planet that I know other than you gets to do this shit so we move (laughs) along to the movie yeah this movie was in development apparently for over 10 years and Dino De Laurentiis had the rights to do it and it just was a movie that apparently Russell really wanted to make for a long time they had wanted to make a sequel together for I mean I think 1986 is when they met and first started discussing it And there was a script and Carpenter deemed it as too light, too campy. I'm like, bro, (laughs) did you watch the fucking movie you made? Uh, Carpenter does insist that it was Russell's persistence that really made the movie get made. Uh, And it was a character he really wanted to play again. And I I have a feeling, dude, that if Carpenter wanted to come out of retirement right now and Russell was like, let's fucking do it because they're still really good friends. I feel like they might they might make another one. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I mean, you know, I mean, Snake is obviously a legendary film character and he's only got the really two films you know so i think there's something to be said for that i mean it, it would be similar to like a laurie strode type scenario where what would carpenter's involvement be maybe he'd be producer maybe he would write it you know i don't know but i feel like he would definitely probably want to be involved with this character again i i think i, I would like to think i should say apparently,
2: yeah, I mean, it's, apparently it's kurt's favorite character he's ever played so i think that right. if, given, if, if given the opportunity i think he he would definitely do it what's what's interesting is have you guys uh his son Wyatt. Have you guys seen the Photoshop of the eye patch on him where they put him in the costume? It's un No, I have it's uncanny. Uncanny Andy. I mean, he looks just like his father at that age. So there's been a lot crazy. of a lot of fans clamoring for uh, for Wyatt to step in and play Snake, which I, I think would be interesting.
0: I would love that's that.
2: That's a dude from uh, Falcon and Winter
1: Soldier, yep. right? That's right. Recently, yep. yeah,
0: I, yeah, I would yeah. love that. But unfortunately, I think he came out recently, actually, in an interview and said, like, I won't be doing remakes of my dad's roles. It's like Fuck, I just, <laughs> bummer. I was like, just dye your bummer. hair brown, dye your fucking hair brown, put a patch over your eye. You <laughs> know, that's your career I mean, path, man. What are you doing? Because dude, like, they've been talking about you know, a remake of Escape from New York for fucking, I mean, at least 15 years. And like, I think that a couple of names were getting rolled around in the mud in terms of who was going to play Snake. And I'm like, dude, seriously, if Arnold can come back as the Terminator, like 15 times, if Stallone can come back and play Rambo, I mean, Russell still looks great, man. He just, you know, yeah, give him some five o'clock shadow. And you know, put the patch back on, put a leather jacket on him. It really does not take that much effort. You know, it, the, the crazy thing about this movie is he was 45 years old when he did this role. And I swear to God, when he shows up in the first scene, he doesn't look like he aged a day. No, he looks, actually in, that too, he looks actually in better shape. He looks in better shape here than he did in 81.
2: It was the same costume. Fun fact. That he it was yeah still, it was. yeah, he, yeah. He, he fit in uh, fifteen years later and when uh, in the early two thousands they were talking about doing a doing a remake and Gerard Butler was actually cast.
0: I remember that. Snake. Oh no! Oh God!
1: Yeah.
2: Yikes! Yeah. Holy
1: hell! I don't even want to picture that. Why did you even tell me that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> because because we're talking about Escape from L.A. and everything has to upset you. That's why I picked this movie. Oh, but I gotta tell you guys, when the movie opens, though, and I I, I got almost a little bit teary eyed, you know, knowing that I never got to meet her. Um, nothing makes me more excited than seeing on the screen a Deborah Hill production at the opening of a movie. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's something that immediately I'm like, no yeah, doubt. I'm like, like you said earlier, Gerald, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to not shit all over this movie. I'm gonna try. Guys. Guys, I'm going to try, but I mean, seeing that just at least lends me a hand to say, come, come with me. You know, you're at least going to enjoy this on a surface level. Um, you know, as this, as the classic escape from New York theme is playing with a slightly more like alt nineties rock and roll version playing in the beginning here. Um, I love the fact that Carpenter worked on the score with this with Shirley Walker. Now can anyone here on this panel tell me who Shirley Walker is or anything that they've done? Anyone?
2: Uh, she worked she worked with uh with Danny Elfman correct on some of his scores
0: that's correct on Batman 89 and she did the uh, okay. actual all the scoring and the themes all herself for Batman the animated series, which is some of the most iconic shit ever to be on television. So that's a pretty cool fun fact that I didn't actually even realize until I watched it tonight again before we recorded. So that's
1: amazing. Yeah. I just want to mention I have a, I actually have a t shirt that says a Deborah Hill production on it. It's like a screenshot from.
0: Motherfucker, uh, where is it? Are you serious? I know. You I should that have worn it tonight. I don't know what I was this?
1: fucking thinking, but. But I mean, you, you are. you are wearing few... Halloween 3. So that's. A, yeah, I have Deborah Halloween Hill 3. So. So. But uh, there's few, like, we're talking about text guys like literally simply words right that give me chills and when i see a deborah hill production i get chills every time i just such a huge i mean just such a huge impact in the community and despite the movie that we're talking about tonight i had chills within the first minute because i'm like deborah hill production you know so you just can't help but feel a certain way when you see those words you know yeah, yeah. i just wanted to mention that because you mentioned it earlier no
0: of course i mean that the, the movie starts off in 1998 there's a national police force la gets a massive turd of an earthquake earthquake featuring a pretty rad miniature shot of like a freeway bridge collapsing and then shoot fast forward. And we're like, okay, now we got to get snake in the mix. Um, The first thing that I realized while watching this movie and by no means is Gary Kibbs' work here terrible, but I mean, I know Dean Cundey was already off making big dinosaur movies at this point, but he is surely missed in the visual look of the camera work here. It looks when you compare it to like the nitty gritty, like the way the original film looks the first film. Yeah. I got to bring it up. It just has Mm -hmm. this really dark, like, I mean, they, they've called Dean on many occasions, the Prince of darkness behind the camera, uh, because of the way that he shot all those Carpenter movies here. This just looks almost like it's a made for TV movie. Am I wrong by saying this?
1: Jeremy, go ahead. It, I'll let it, you. I know you're a bigger fan, so go ahead. It,
2: it definitely <laughs> doesn't have that that smoky darkness that I feel like the first one did. Like this one has more a brightly lit orange palette compared to the dark smoky blues that you had with. Uh, Escape from New York for sure. Um, real quick, I I, I, it, I would be remiss to not mention that you know you guys are talking about Deborah Hill. This was the last time that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill uh, collaborated on an original project. Yep, I knew that. I knew that one actually.
1: <laughs> you hit me with some earlier. I didn't know. I actually knew that one. Oh wow. What I mean, as far G- as Gerald the look of something. the film, yeah. Finally, as far as the look of the film goes, uh, I mean, I agree with with both of you guys. I think it was just a little, and this kind of lends to what I was talking about in the, in the at the top too about Carpenter's kind of like film changing a little bit with this movie i feel like but it, i agree with you guys it just feels a little made for tv which justin said it was just a little like unprofessional in the look. i mean
0: a 50 yeah. million dollar budget is nothing to you know i mean
1: right exactly it, it's it's, yeah.
0: a, it's, a, it's a decent it's a, it's a small budget for 1996 uh but at the same time i mean you got you got to think it doesn't look like a very good budget <laughs> at all we're gonna get into the why that is um but the first time we see snake on screen it is iconic, obviously. It does give you chills. You're like, holy shit, it's Snake Plissken. The classic call me Snake line comes up because we all need to know, be reminded, you know, <laughs> the audience needs to be told, listen, you should be watching the far superior original film instead. I mean, is it really enough to have Russell back in the role in the eye patch with the long hair and the scruff? Like, is, is it really making the movie worthwhile? I don't think so. But one thing's for sure. Like I said, he definitely didn't look like he aged much and he looks way better here. Um and then I'm like sitting here, I'm like, dude, oh my god, fucking Uncle Ben is president. Holy shit, I totally forgot about <laughs> <Yeah>. this.
1: <laughs> I thought about that too. I'm like, Uncle Ben is fucking lit, guys. Like what I didn't remember dude, he was in this he, role. He looks like he's seen seen fucking so long, but...
0: hammered the entire movie. He's glassy eyed as a motherfucker here. I'm like, man, he's yeah, taking exactly. shots of vodka in between takes. I don't even know what's going on there, but oh, man.
2: Dude, wa- yeah, watching yeah, it I, watching it a month ago, man, I was like, fuck. Dude, he looks just like Johnny Cash, that guy, man.
0: Like he does. He does. (laughs) definitely
2: does. Somewhere along the way, there should have been a buyout pick with that guy because that would have been spot on casting. I had to look up who he was. I was like, Dude, I recognize him from something. It was, it was Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's his, definitely his calling card. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, I, 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 it was fun to see him. It was fun to me, see him. For me, it's, you know, it's got to be weird, Obsession.
0: But... Brian De Palma's film from the 70s, actually, and it's it's a movie that's yeah. near dear to my heart. No one ever talks about it, but what I love is the stories, not necessarily the movie, really, but, I mean, the stories that De Palma talks about where they cast him, and he was the only lead guy they could get that would be, like, a Cary Grant type, and how he overly tanned himself constantly and put on, like, self tanned. <laughs> so like all oh all These scenes are like shot in these dark, dingy brown rooms, and they'd be like, Listen, we can't light you. You're the same color as the fucking wall, dude. And here he looks, he looks the same. He's like that, that old, like 65 year old dude who's like wrinkled as a motherfucker. He looks like some Kentucky fried chicken in this bitch. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> crazy glassy-eyed. because this was
1: this, this was 96. And what was Spider Man 01?
0: Right? Yeah, 02.
2: Was it
1: 02? O- 02. Oh, yeah, It's the year that yeah. I
0: graduated. That's the year that it came out, it was 2002. That's not yeah. too.
1: That's that's not too much of a difference. I'll say look, he looks exactly the same. He's yeah, he Uncle did, Ben. I, you know? You're right. Yeah.
0: Actually, I got to give him props then. He must have did something in between that time frame because, yeah, he didn't really age that bad at all. Right, right. But, but guys, we, we, we got we to gotta get into this right now because I know Let's it's going it. to come up throughout the discussion, but the whole, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I mean, with the budget this thing had, they should have they never employed CGI for the majority of the shots no. they used in this. I mean, we see it really early on. I don't even know if this stuff looks looked cool in nineteen ninety-six. I mean, I know this is due to the fact that the employees at the Visual Effects Center that they use, Buena Vista Visual Effects to be exact, had never dealt with computer graphics before. Like apparently from what I've read, this was their first entry into doing them. And And it it shows. shows Absolutely they definitely shows. don't know how to do them at all.
1: I, I think what has happened with this movie, which is ironic, is that when I saw it in 96, it's laughable. Like, seeing it today, it's still kind of laughable, but it's almost like charming in a way because it has that campy cheesiness that you can have fun with. And you can kind of look back and go, oh, okay, they didn't know what they were doing. You know, they, like you said, it was their first time really doing this and you can obviously tell that that was the case. They were kind of experimenting with it. I mean, the first first movie and I hate to do the comparison thing but there was such a gritty like real grounded feeling in that movie where it was practical and it was you were seeing what you were seeing you know and here they employed a lot of tactics that frankly didn't work and like i said they were laughable and almost cartoonish <laughs> I mean, very cartoonish. cartoonish this shit looks like fucking second <laughs> like genesis graphics,
0: right? uh, i
2: was gonna say nintendo so. 64 <laughs> oh,
0: okay all right yeah, well, yeah. yeah. perfect you're probably perfect. right but, it was
2: it was like yeah. somebody at the studio was like well shit three years ago they made dinosaurs look real like and guys, just make a submarine and make waves, and you'll you'll be okay. And man, that submarine shot, yeah, it literally looked oh, like. Oh,
0: that's exactly like, what came to mind immediately, man. Yeah, I mean, like you got to yeah. think, the Lost World came out a year after this, yep. literally.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like,
0: crazy. and look at the, the work in that. I mean, obviously, it's ILM and they're the ones that kind of broke through with CGI with the Abyss and then Terminator 2 and then Jurassic Park so yeah we can't really compare the two it's not really a fair comparison but at the same time I'm like yo why did you hire someone that had never ever dealt with like just hire someone that has done something video games are you know some something along the same lines but you
1: and you and you mentioned the miniatures in the the open which are actually pretty cool yeah they are pretty good like Uh, why uh, the thing that really is frustrating if you're looking at from like you know a cinematic value standpoint, is that they didn't they didn't need to do it. Like there was no need. That's to what I'm saying. Just because CGI you, you can
0: doesn't mean you need to. They they shouldn't right, have. Right. That, that's just my perspective on that. I mean, obviously. Ever, this film is known for getting criticized for those yeah. reasons but you know what gerald i have to give you some props my friend i mean for for, for coming out and, and 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 you know batting at the ball and showing some props for this movie i didn't expect that i mean but you know
1: i mean it, you know it's weird right because if you see something in the moment you know like suicide squad just came out for example so like everybody's judging that like real time this is what i'm seeing this is what's in front of me but 20 years from now what do they say about it you know what i mean so it, we're talking about escape from LA, and it's kind of like that because it's kind of like when it's so many years have passed and so many advancements have been made. You can look at something like that and go, "Oh, well, that's kind of cute. That's kind of charming. You know, it's kind of funny. You know, and you have fun with it because of that." But in the moment, you're like, "What the fuck are you doing, guys?" Like, True Lies was coming out now. Like, look at some of the effects in a movie like True Lies. Was that like a year after this, Justin? I think maybe it's just like no, that it's was crazy that that was before this. It was before this, even. It's before this. so no, that's Cameron. You,
0: you can't I mean listen. That's Cameron. So. Yeah. I know, totally different but ballpark, I mean, totally different I ballpark.
1: know, but you can look at some of these projects and just go, you know, you, you didn't need to do it. I mean, Escape from New York is a cult classic that was minimal that did its job. We know it was the same story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it, Escape from LA. It was the same fucking movie, you know, and it worked. So you didn't need to do all the stuff. There's a lot of really cool sequences in this movie that didn't employ CGI that are some of my favorite takeaways. From I mean, it. I'll tell you, the, I'm, su- the, I'm sure we'll get my that. favorite
0: visual of the entire movie. It's when Snake gets to L.A. and he's walking down, looks like what what is Hollywood Boulevard, and you see up on the theater marquee, safe sex, no condoms needed. I was like, I want to live in that world. <laughs> yeah, I want to sure. be there.
2: Please. Yeah, sounds yes, great. please.
0: But at the same time, I'm like, guys, I got to ask, like, why does everyone other than Kurt Russell act like they're in a different movie yep. than Kurt Russell. It's like they're all heightened times ten and Kurt's doing this laid back, raspy, badass shtick, and then they're all like, like you know, flailing around acting like literally they're on cocaine. I mean, dude, AJ Langer, dude, over the fucking top in this movie, she looks like she was sniffing Coke in between takes the entire time for the love of Carpenter. But he's sitting there and he's I'm just a- like, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I'm gonna let I'm gonna let uh, Jeremy comment, but I think it's funny that I didn't remember she was in this. Like, dude, I, I, I only it. know her from so my along, so-called
0: life, dude. That's the only I just thing I re-watched,
1: know. Watched. I just rewatched that whole show, dude. Like literally last <laughs> month, I watched all of my so-called life for for a podcast. This, and this on. is why
0: I love you. This is why I love
1: you. And I love that show when I was in high school. And I rewatched it to go on this naughty. See Claire uh, Danes television <sighs> podcast. See, I, I, and <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, that's Rayanne from My So-Called Life. Like, I didn't remember she was in this, but yeah. that's
2: funny. Cause I, I don't hardly remember that show, but I remember her from uh, People Under the Stairs all day long.
1: Yes, I remember that as well. All day long.
2: Yeah. And I think she was in a movie Same with, uh, uh, was it Meet the Deedles or something like that? I don't know. I think I, I recall her being in, in a movie with some Disney movie back in the day. But yeah, I, I don't know that I watched that show. But uh, the cast in this thing, man, the the cast, I mean, you got Steve Buscemi showing up. You got Pam Greer showing up. You know, you've got, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Bruce Campbell. I mean, the cast, the casting is really interesting for this thing. And I think it's... You know, They they went for something. I don't know. But it was like, like we mentioned earlier, it was like everybody else kind of knew the movie that they were making. But Kurt Russell maybe felt like he was making a different movie. And a, with a lot of the recycled material, it's like, okay, do you think any of that was like studio mandated? Like, here's some things that we really liked about, you know, the previous film, and, and we would like you to incorporate it in? Or do you think that when they were writing it, they were just like, fuck it, let's just redo it with a bigger budget? I mean, that's been that's happened before. Yeah. You know, look. Yeah, I don't know,
1: man. I mean, I mean, you have a great point. I, I don't know. I mean, I know this is Kurt Russell's only writing credit, right? Yeah. If I, unless I'm wrong, <laughs> we, there, we can
2: blame him for it for think, sure.
1: And I think maybe there's a fucking reason that he can <laughs> pick up the pen again. You know. <laughs> But listen, does- listen, I,
0: I swear to God, it probably happened, like, I, I know the stories, because John's talked about him plenty of times in interviews where he'll go to have dinner with Kurt. They'll, they just won't have dinner and drinks or whatever in Hollywood, like at some nice, posh fucking restaurant, and let us talk about shit randomly and write, them, write the information down on napkins that they want to talk about for their next project or whatever. Um, this is the last time they work together, actually, um, which so is kind of weird to think. Well, yep, so far. Hopefully. Yep. I know Jeremy and I are hoping... that John, you know, gets off his fucking ass, stops smoking cigarettes again, and makes another movie. But, um, but no, I mean, like, it's one of those conversations, and I think that it probably, like, because Kurt apparently rewrote the entire ending, John has come out and said that, but I imagine, like, them just sitting there, like, having drinks, and John Carpenter, like, chain smoking while they're just like, he's like, yeah, sure, great idea, Kurt, great idea, sure, let's do that, let's do, how much am I gonna get paid for this? Okay, yeah, we'll do that, and then, and Kurt's (laughs) like, I gotta get paid ten, ten hard for this, ten hard, nothing less, And Stallone just got fucking, you know, 15 for cliffhanger. And sure, we'll get you 10. We'll get you 10. Um, But, you know, that's how Hollywood works. But also at the same time, I have to show some love for the fact that they let the star of the movie, the star that basically, uh, let's face it, like helped John Carpenter's career be as successful as it was. And vice versa, without John casting Kurt as Elvis and his made for TV movie, Kurt would have never been a star either. He was a Disney actor. So, I mean, they both helped out each other's careers. And I love their partnership and their friendship. I mean, they both made, you know, a handful of some of the best movies ever in terms of genre films. The Thing, Bay Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. It's it's hard for me to sit here and shit on this when you think about those. But at the same time, you kind of have to say, you knew better, guys. Come (laughs) on. You know?
1: It it definitely definitely has that, like, Burton Depp quality to it where these guys are really, you know, because Carpenter's the visionary who, you know, can see these stories play out and then you have the right actor that's able to bring them to life, you know? And and I do feel like the Carpenter-Russell like marriage is really undervalued in that space. I feel like it just doesn't get talked about it big time but i think but i think you're right man i think when they come together even on a movie like this i mean there's magic you know i mean there's scenes in this movie that are like phenomenal
0: are, are you talking about where snake plissken is on the motorcycle and i am the cgi actually. where he does off the ramp in full cgi and you can see that he's like <laughs> in front of a fucking matte painting and then he lands the cgi the back of the truck. fucks it
1: up <laughs> The CGI fucks it up, but that's a great sequence. Yeah, it, I really it, dug that it, sequence. No, it is. Actually, it is it, I, an action sequence, and I like the sequence with the can up in the air, and he fucking shoots all the guys before it hits the ground. You know, he fucking pulled one over on him. There's a lot of really good scenes that you can take away from this movie. The unfortunate thing is, is that really a lot of them are copycats of Escape from New other York. Of everything you saw
2: with, before, yeah,
1: with different things. You know, I mean, this up from LA. Basically, this
2: is a fun movie. I mean, no matter how you look at it. it, it is it groundbreaking? Did it, did it did it change the game? Absolutely not. But this is, you know, if you go into it just for entertainment value, I think it achieves that. I think it's entertaining. I think it's a fun movie. And, you know, ultimately, it's not the first time in Hollywood that we pretty much get a bigger... Budget sequel—that's actually a remake. I mean, look at Evil Dead Two; that was pretty much mm-hmm. an absolute remake of the original, except for just much, right. much like this one, they added the comedy in, and, and the budget was higher, and they, the humor, yeah, and they, they could do other things um, with it. But you know, it, it's it's interesting because this is the only sequel that John Carpenter ever directed himself, and I I, right. I feel like he had he maybe asked himself, you know, okay, do I want? to do a straight up, you know, attempt at, you know – doing something better, or what can I do to change it up? And it really, re- this movie reminds me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, right? Because it's tone, like, mm. Texas Chainsaw 2 is tonally different from Texas Chainsaw, but it's the same director, right? But right. Toby Hooper made that decision when he made Part 2. He was like, you know what, I'm going to do it as a satire. I'm going to go over the top with the comedy. I'm going to amp the violence and the gore up, but it's, it's, it's the same filmmaker, same cinematic universe, if you will, but completely different tone tone, man so it's just it's interesting
1: it it is and i want to ask you both you guys do you think carpenter did that consciously because when i was watching it today and i literally just watched it like four or five hours ago i'm thinking to myself did he mean to like buy into the campiness of it at the time as much as he did or are we looking at it now in 2021 going okay you know, you missed the mark back then, but now it's hilarious. Yeah. Or do you think Carpenter like purposely kind of bought, bought into this campiness, cheesiness factor? What do you guys
2: think? I think he bought into it, absolutely. Um, and he's gone on record as saying that it's the most fun he ever had making a movie. Um, and that he had an absolute blast and he's even gone on record as saying that this, that movie escape from LA is better than escape from New York. That's right.
0: He did say that. That is on
2: record. So I, I think that he made the movie that he wanted to, and it was a conscious decision for sure. Cool.
0: Yeah. That that quote is insane. I'm just going to read a little bit uh, off for our listeners here. Carpenter reflected that escape from LA is better than the first movie. He said, 10 times better. It's got more to it. It's more mature. I think some people didn't like it because they felt it was a remake, not a sequel. <laughs> He's like, they're essentially the same movie. They both had their strengths and weaknesses. I don't know. You never know why a movie's going to be make it or not. People didn't want to see Escape at that time, but they really didn't want to see The Thing in 1982. You just wait. They've got to give me a little while. People will say, you know, what was wrong with me? We know what was wrong with you, John. You wanted a paycheck. But I, you know what, though? Like I said earlier on, guys, you got to give him credit credit for being honest john as always. you know always straight up he's never lied he doesn't give a fuck dude I, when he wants to take yeah. a paycheck movie he does and he doesn't care about it you I, know he just doesn't it. it's
2: funny that you say that man i was at a monster mania that he was at and i was sitting down in the q a this is on youtube so all the listeners can check this out uh, just type in john carpenter monster mania q a and about halfway through the Q&A, someone in the audience, you know, gets the microphone. It's their platform, right? They get their moment to shine to ask John Carpenter personally a question, right? So what does this fan of John Carpenter do? They say, Mr. Carpenter, I really loved Escape from New York. And he said, nodded his head and thanks. And he goes, Escape from L.A. And he paused and he goes, What happened with that? And John Carpenter. <laughs> True true story. It's on YouTube. I I was there in person, dude. You could have heard a pin drop. John Carpenter, without skipping a single beat, said fuck you and flicked him off he goes next question I was like that is the rock star John Carpenter that I fucking <laughs> love man
1: <laughs> dude but it's a testament to it's a, it's a testament to having fun with what we love right and he loves film and he loves filmmaking yep. and he had a fucking blast with this yeah. movie like his, his quotes speak to that and frankly the movie speaks to that I mean it's not a good movie it's not like a well made masterpiece do you know what I mean but you could look at it and you could go well Carpenter and Russell had a fucking blast making it. it's a, it's you know? a funny
0: movie and, yeah. I mean, Russell made $10 million off of it. Um, I'm not sure what Carpenter's paycheck looked like. I mean, in terms of the fact that it made not even half of its fucking budget back, not even let alone knowing what the marketing costs were or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's true. I mean, you got to give it credit for it being like a, a passion project. Two of them, knowing they're great friends. Uh, it is laughable, like almost all the time for me, like literally. Yeah. Um- <laughs> I, was, I sit there and think about so much of this shit. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, one of the most atrocious sins to ever be committed in the history of cinema, the surf scene, which at times <laughs> definitely <laughs> looks worse than Jeremy. It looks worse than fucking Nintendo 64 oh, and yeah, PlayStation man. 1 graphics. That scene is what like fucking fuck Nintendo. That, Maybe guys? some Atari shit. I'm like, dude, listen, I get it. <sighs> Like, going back to what I said earlier, they you, didn't even know how to do CGI. You didn't, you didn't need to do it,
1: yeah. guys. Catherine Bigelow he, did Point Break, like, five years earlier. It looked fucking amazing. Dude, even, you know even, I mean. even a yeah. movie
0: now. We're in 2021. Even a movie now, if they were to do it with like, a fake surfing scene, people would probably still make fun of it, because they're like, that's a fake wave, dude. I could tell they're not really surfing, and you're totally right, man, because Point Break just celebrated its anniversary a couple weeks ago, and I rewatched mm. it, and holy fuck, they had real people doing real surfing. I mean... It, why please tell that's me I'm why. Yeah.
1: I, I'm, jeremy, I, why i'm jeremy why we're waiting I'm gonna,
2: you know what i'm, I'm gonna harp back to what you said gerald man is some of it to me now that it's so much time has passed when i go back and i watch it you know like i said i watched it a few weeks ago i i found the bad cgi kind of charming man i'm like you know what no. this, yeah
1: that's the thing no! this,
2: was, yeah, this this was a product of its of its time and it's not meant so to be you serious
1: Either. (laughs) And this is kind of the question I asked before, too. But do you think when Carpenter saw this? In '96, when it was being edited and whatever, he's like looking at it, going, "That's fucking." No, you know, I think he right said, you know, I think or do you he think said, he's going? This is hilarious. Like, I think he said, print "It, it looks
0: fine," and that's yeah. it. I think he just yeah. said, "It looks fine," and walked yeah. out of the room. That's I, that's I, the carpenter I, I see in that scene. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I think
2: when he when he saw the first the first cut of it with, with the wave scene, I think he probably took the biggest fucking inhale of a cigarette ever, and was just like, <laughs> "All right, well, there it is. Uh, we're we're gonna keep moving print on." It. Yeah, <laughs> print. Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, Jeremy, it's one of those things where it's like, did the filmmaker know? And that's the thing, what, maybe we'll never know? Like, because seeing it, especially since it hadn't really been utilized as much in 96 and seeing it, then maybe, maybe in his mind, he's like, this is fucking awesome that we could create this. You know, basically digital. Oh, well,
0: I'm pretty sure, actually, going but back to it. just it now, it
1: just looks so much, di- so yeah, much different. I mean,
0: know? if you look back at it in today's terms, I don't think Jeremy Carpenter had really used CGI at all up until that point, really, did he? I don't think Not he used CGI at all.
2: Sparingly, you know, you had little things, um, you know, here and there. But I mean, nothing. I don't think anything had to this point had been special effects heavy in his career. But I think again, it right. it 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 suffers that Jurassic Park thing, right? All of a sudden, you can see that there's this new technology out there, and everybody wants to harness it. You know, and, and I say Jurassic Park, but you know, obviously T two came before that, so you know, it was hot on the heels of these these innovators and these people making these incredible movies. So I think that I think that that it was definitely a reach of his. He was like, I'm gonna have fucking hang gliding. I'm gonna have surfing. Oh, God, the hang gliding. <laughs> I'm have, Holy
0: lord. I'm gonna have hang gliding. Some Wizard of Oz shit.
2: Surfing, motorcycles, Man. you know, we're gonna do this, this, that. So I think that when he uh, when he was writing it, he was just having a blast thinking of these special effects, not knowing how well it was gonna be achieved.
1: I will say, Buscemi's face, when he looks over and sees Kurt Russell on the wave, is the reaction <laughs> of all of us.
0: <laughs> you nailed what it, motherfucker. You nailed it. Perfect. Yeah
1: perfect <laughs> yeah what the Dude, fuck is this guys
0: uh, i gotta say guys i had totally forgotten about the fucking hang glider scene oh and i gotta say you guys ever go to, like, a, a, a cheap you? Mexican restaurant where, like, they have those cheap, shitty, like, sunset paintings on the wall that look like they let their oh, five-year-old yeah. paint yeah. on the wall? Yeah, um,
1: eat there every week. Dude,
0: they literally look like they're hanging in front of a ceiling in front of a cheap painting like that shit while they're on those hang gliders. And they're, like, yeah. looking over at each other. And you can, I mean, even on my TV, like, on just the, the whatever version I rented earlier because I don't own the movie. And I never will, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but you can, wow. see, you can see the wires. Spoiler you can see alert. the wires. Wires oh. just hanging off that shit, and apparently I don't know if this is correct or not. This is just some bullshit that I read online. That that was a sequence inspired by the flying monkey scene from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I was like, really? So that okay. would be that. that would ring I mean, true with what you're saying in terms of Carpenter just going, "Hey, let's just write this thing as big as we can, and like we'll make it as well as we can with the budget we have."
1: Yeah, I mean, you could kind of see that at least. Like when you said it, it kind of makes sense. Like I kind of
0: see the flying. Well, they, they they, in they my come mind, in with these but... gliders, dude. So yeah. So. Danielle didn't watch the movie with me. She said she had never seen it, but she didn't care, right? So she Did com- she
1: see New York?
0: Yeah, she loves New York. But she came out. What? Is she? She, 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 no, what? Listen, she already knew that I was going to shit on it. She's like, you're going to make fun of that movie because right, Jeremy's okay. coming on. So <laughs> whatever. But but she, she came out with the gliders and she's like, that looks stupid. And just walked into the other room. <laughs> and oh, she just you said she just, you have your and she just glanced at it. I'm like, she didn't even watch the whole scene. She just looked at them like floating in front of that shitty matte painting. Like, yeah. while Steve Boucher you can see that he's harnessed in. It's like, yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I I, wow. I I loved it, man. I loved that that scene. I, I think it's okay, you know, being a, a film fan to say this is not a good movie, but it is a right. shit ton of fun. And I will tell you, Justin, you you said you'll never own it. Uh, if I can own Ghost of Mars, I can own. Escape from LA. And I listen, I that's own, actually accurate. I own both.
0: I own both oh, wow. you you'll, you'll, you'll be the one friend that I know that owns uh, Ghosts is a, is the second Carpenter movie I saw in theaters. So <sighs>
2: poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, and 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 I know wow. and I, and I know you want to mention the trivia though. I know you want to mention this. I'm, I'm Go itching, ahead, man. I'm itching for it, man. I'm itching for it. So funny enough is that Carpenter and Russell had planned to do a third escape movie and uh that's what Ghost of Mars was. Ghost of Mars was actually supposed to be Escape from Mars. So at the end of this movie and spoiler alert, you know when when Snake turns off the power to the entire planet, right? He was going to be extradited to Mars. So when you watch Ghosts of Mars, which I don't advise doing, by the way, it's the one. Car- please, no, don't. It's, please don't. please no, the one Carpenter don't movie that I absolutely cannot get through. However, it is interesting if you if you do watch some of it or the trailer or whatever you do. Uh, Ice Cube. His character Desolation Williams in the first draft, because th- the script was already written for Escape from Mars, he's actually wearing the same costume as Snake Plissken. The same costume. The only difference is instead of wearing the the black and gray camo pants, I think his were like a reddish tint. But he's wearing this. He's correct. wearing the same exact costume um, and was rewritten from Snake Plissken. So that horrible, horrible atrocity known as Ghost of Mars was supposed to be the third I've Escape. I've seen film. it one time. That's and enough. I was like, holy. That's a fucking. Gerald,
0: did you see it in the theaters, or did you... Watch no, again. no,
1: no! I saw it much. See, later. I
0: was the yeah. see, I was this kid like AMC theaters in Vestal, like where my grandma would come in, buy the ticket for me, and they would just let me in. But I remember both of these movies, seeing them, and I think from Escape from L.A. Uh, had a pretty decent audience. It was like a matinee because it was summertime or whatever, and I was off school. Dude, Ghosts, not a fucking peep in that theater. No <laughs> one was there. But I, but I was an Ice Cube fan, man. I, like Friday was one of my favorite movies. And I'm like, yep. yes, Friday in a John Carpenter movie. Exactly.
1: Um, I remember. But, f- in the same way. But,
0: I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that's questionable here. I mean, like, you cast Pam Greer and then, uh, and I'm not, again, it's acceptable in today's terms, but you have... Pam Greer play like a, a tranny, carjack Indeed. Malone like, right. and then Carpenter like lowered her voice. <laughs> yeah, this octaves. was right
1: before it's, this was right before her renaissance too with with Jackie Brown. She's brilliant, Jackie Brown. Brown,
0: brilliant, Jackie Brown. Um, so it's it's kind of weird. To know, ha- she's, like, yeah,
1: yeah, she's an ultimate queen, dude. I absolutely love her. And I actually, again, and Jeremy touched on it earlier, but for the campy factor, I actually enjoy her character in this for that reason because I have to think of it in terms of '96. Would they make it now? Now?
0: Well no, no definitely they wouldn't they, they wouldn't, wouldn't do be allowed it now to. they wouldn't touch Dude, it now like forks the would come out football. and fucking people will be with their right. torches and shit burning the place down right. but i just but for it, me at
1: least it's not as bad as i thought it would be, you know, no, what I mean? just it would, like, uh, play out uh, as like uh, that. a
0: little rough, that's a little I rough. I get it, but um, you no, know, I
1: get it. You got to be careful with that stuff, and I get it. But I, I do love her, so regardless of the voice and all that, it was awesome to see her and that she was part of kind of the climax. And you know, well, being that, that part climax of the hero but, but, moment,
0: we kind of got to cover that here. For me, I felt like the end action sequence is really substandard. I mean, we're talking about how much fun this movie is, but the knockdown, drag out fight between Snake and Cuervo, it's kind of lackluster it's kind of like yeah. non-existent in a lot of way i agree uh, it lacks any real impact or wow moment i mean dude he dies legit like from one gunshot and just literally flips over and falls on the ground like that's how my yeah. kid, that's how my kid would play dead if i told her she was I, gonna play in third grade like play dead honey and she'd go
1: <laughs> i'll let uh jeremy comment but i think that the larger and again we're not trying to take escape from uh, from la a little too seriously but I think maybe the overarching like narrative here is not him against Cuervo, but more like him against the system, right? No, like,
0: I get it. Man. I know. I know this. So I don't thing, think,
1: Gerold. right. I know, <laughs> I'm, but I'm, I'm just, just saying, like, I don't dude, think they want to spend movie. a lot of time. Give me a, a good no, I know, fight. but I'm just saying is not like a big bad to me. Do you know what I mean? I He's think a nothing, more of like
0: actually. Yeah. A but that's why I, I wanted to see system. Snake like fucking chop his head off or something, put it on a stake, blow yeah. him away or something. But no, we don't get I mean, to
1: me, I'll ask you guys, but to me me you know cuervo is basically the duke in the first movie. yeah, yeah i mean it's the except same for shit, a less you know? a mean, less
2: intimidating version of it and you know what's funny about cuervo exactly what cuervo looks like jesu garcia from a nightmare in elm street like the whole time i watched <laughs> the whole time i watched the movie i'm like fuck that looks just like him they look like the same person or nick cory if you're looking at the credit list of <laughs> nightmare in elm street because he changed his name for that but uh yeah I don't know I would have I would have preferred obviously a bigger finale because it was just like you know hang glider bang 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 okay now you're at the finale you know it, it there wasn't that big action sequence payoff you know and especially between Right. Snake and Cuervo. Like I would have, you know, even though Cuervo wasn't the greatest cinematic villain, it would have been cool to have, you know, those two guys throwing hands at each other and kind of going back and forth. But that did not happen with this. So Yeah, they
0: fight for like they fight for like three minutes and that's like fine and everything. I know that, you know, Kurt trained with a martial arts expert in terms of like getting himself ready for the fight scenes and stuff but i'm like dude at give me like a nice knockdown drag out fight i mean we yeah. know carpenter is a huge western fan and that he loves those kinds of fights and like it happens for like three minutes then they already fly off and that fucking helicopter with the fake fucking <laughs> the propeller just i was like dude oh again i'm playing a nintendo game but dude the cool thing about this scene though is that this whole happy kingdom set is actually the town square from gremlins and back to the future oh i don't know that. yeah they just like That's dirtied shit. it up and, and and made it look all shitty and apocalyptic but i was like looking at it i was like that That's looks sweet. familiar then i was like oh damn it that is that is the same set that they utilized because that just sat on the back lot at universal um after they finished back to the future so yeah okay pretty cool. fucking i did awesome, not know that yeah so this movie ends it's a thing it ends almost in an identical fashion. I mean, there's some hologram shit, but otherwise, yeah, Kurt
1: Russell wrote that ending. Did you guys know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: he uh, rewrote that to be that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, but it's Kurt Russell, so you get my pass. Yeah, you for, know, sure. for sure.
2: for yeah. sure. <laughs>
0: Once again, Snake fooled him and saves the day, you know. Yep. But, or did um, he? Yeah. Well, yep. we don't really know, but you'd think that last shot of the movie that Snake just should have, he should have just, they should have just had him wink at the fucking camera. He was about, <laughs> he was about there. I mean. It did and, fade
1: to black a little quick. Yeah. But,
0: you know, as Jeremy said earlier, you know, the tongue was firmly planted at the cheek in this one Um, John must have known it But, I mean, that's what they were making here. And I think that's why the movie didn't do that well with audiences at the time, because they were expecting a little wink-wink, but not so much of a wink-wink. And the movie fades to black as Snake is literally looking at the audience after he lights that match and smokes that cigarette. After we just heard all that, you know, ham-fisted social commentary, no smoking, no alcohol, no women unless you're married, no foul language. That, that, that's, that's Carpenter definitely, you know, in the mix there, his politics but the movie ends on such a half-hearted note, like regardless of what you guys are saying about how it's fun to watch, like this is a movie that definitely like two years ago when I watched it for the first time in like 15 years, I was hammered and I was watching to make fun of it and for a good reason. Uh, It's not to be taken seriously but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't dissect the shit out of it and
1: put it onto my toilet and
0: take a giant dump on it because (laughs) it's not good. It's not good. I get you. You It's not
1: well made. It's not good. The technical aspects are literally a joke. I mean, but what I take away from it on the second viewing that I just saw today and I'm not kidding you that we're talking 20 five years between viewings is that I can see in watching it the fun that was had in making it and it is campy it is cheesy it's not good but I almost want to believe that Carpenter and the and the producers Deborah Hill and everyone else knew that and they were like let's just make a fun movie that's fucking crazy you know that that has those callbacks to the original that people love but we don't take our t- ourselves too seriously and we just have a good time and I feel like that's what they did with this now I don't you know love this movie it's not a movie that I'm rushing to like re-watch but I will say that watching it today I enjoyed it much more than when I saw it in its origin wow. when it came out which is crazy to me
2: but yeah I, I agree with that 100% I when I went back and watched it recently I I wasn't thrown off by the tone because I remembered the tone uh, from my first viewing, even though it had been a long time. Um, But I I didn't go in with any kind of, you know, preconceived notions about the film that I was going to get. I already kind of knew. So I... When I watched it recently, and that's why I think you were initially at the beginning of the podcast, Justin, surprised when, uh, you know, I, I didn't come off right at the bat saying that I loved it, which I think is what you expected me to do. Um, Just you know, a little bit.
0: Just a little bit. It, it, a it little is a bit.
2: wonky movie, and I, it's not a bad movie. I'm going to go ahead and say it's not a bad movie, but I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, it's not a good movie either i have fun with it uh i enjoy watching it um it's not one that i i rushed to watch but you know having watched it recently i had a lot of fun with it so i can't say it's bad because of that i i enjoyed it but i know it's not good guys it's not good
1: uh can i mention one thing justin now i didn't know if this was in your notes or if you forgot about it or if maybe you guys don't know i'll be shocked if jeremy doesn't know Maybe Carpenter told him. Don't he was tell me that the you're Lakers gonna bring up game. the
0: soundtrack because that was next on my list.
1: <laughs> no, but you can talk okay. about that shit too. But yeah. did you know Kurt Russell made all the shots? Yeah,
2: the yeah, thing? he. Did
0: we,
1: did we talk about that? He made all. Yeah. Of those
0: shots. Then why the fuck did Carpenter (laughs) make them all in slow motion? He's such a big basketball fan. I'm like, dude, why is this slow motion? Oh, man. For real? The one thing that now 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 that that I know that he's a big basketball fan or whatever, I'm like, they definitely should have done a fucking Air Jordan tie-in with this shit and just put Jordans on him. For real. This is the 90s. Especially 96. If there's there's anything this 90s, it's having your your, your title character, your hero, playing fucking basketball in your movie.
1: Anyway, I I I couldn't believe that because I saw it on like this little YouTube clip I watched today. And then I watched the special features on the rental that I had. And I'm like, oh my God, he did make all of those shots. Yeah. He did, like multiple takes. And he just kept trying and he eventually made, you know, each one or whatever.
2: Apparently, he had trained. That's crazy. He trained really hard, apparently, and, and went, went after it. So you know despite this being a, a cheesy schlock fest man he he obviously you know he took, he yeah. took it seriously man he put he put the time into uh to to learn the martial arts to uh, you know become a bas- yeah. a basketball master so
1: yeah sure yeah that's pretty rad yeah, the- and by the way by the way the basketball thing that whole scene you guys know is a mirror of the wrestling scene of course yeah so <laughs> yeah. same shit but, but, but instead of uh, snake uh, you know, in a male very infested end, you know.
0: bat going towards his head by a yeah. giant beast, or just like, yo, motherfucker, shoot some hoops. Right, right. There's I mean, think about it, there's nothing more LA than that. That yeah. that's literally what it is. But um, I, I had to make a brief mention for sure because when I was a kid, um, the theater that I used to go to, the AMC Lowe's, back in the day, it closed, I think, in around 2012. There was a coconuts music store, literally right next to it. So when you would leave the movie. If you liked the soundtrack, or you wanted to like buy a poster or a shirt, they'd have the merchandise there. And when I left, I I wanted this soundtrack, dude. The soundtrack for this movie, you know, let alone the Shirley Walker John Carpenter score, Stabbing Westward, White Zombie, Zombie Tool. Hip. This this soundtrack has one of my all time like top ten. I know what you think about this band, Jeremy, but I don't give a fuck. Um, Deftones is my favorite band of all time. Can't even breathe, which is one of my top ten Deftones oh, songs, is on I this that was soundtrack. On there. Yeah, you. Oh, well, you're a Deftones fan, so look what I just. I am, you, I didn't know it was on there. Yeah, it's on. I know. And I mean, there's a Ministry song on there: "Orange Nine Millimeter," "Clutch," "Sugar Ray," "Gravity Kills," some Tori Amos, "Butthole Surfers," "Toadies." I'm literally listening the whole thing because. Dude, you don't dude, get movie you soundtracks anymore. Like you, <laughs> you had me
1: at Sugar Ray, bro. You had me at Sugar Ray. Sugar
0: Ray was heavy as fuck before a Fly came out, dude. Yes, they were. That's baby. actually true. Yes, they That's were. That's actually true. Yeah, there was some good rap metal shit, but um, so, so there's that. But I'm gonna sum up this movie with a line. <laughs> that snake he mutters it in his first appearance in this movie they tell him what his mission is and he's like that sounds familiar and i'm like no shit that's because this movie is literally a remake of the first movie with a new setting and some new cares i totally get where you guys are coming from this is the kind of movie where yeah i'll, I'll sit late at night have a few drinks and enjoy making fun of it do i legitimately enjoy it or appreciate it definitely not but also much like i said about coming to america early this year you know the sequel to a classic from the 80s they should have never done um you can see that everyone involved had fun that they had good intentions and that they just wanted to do it because they could and that makes total sense and that's why i appreciate the effort that went in here but this is not a good movie and yeah i'll never own it so we're gonna get into this ladies and gentlemen so this is the pilot episode of brain Stew. There's no more one out of ten on this segment. We're not doing ratings that way. It's going to be really simple. Either you trash it or you treasure it. That's it. So Gerald, mm. do you trash oh, it me first, or do you treasure it? Oh
1: man, uh, you know this is tough. And I was telling you the pre-recording because you just have to fucking do one or the other. <laughs> you know, you can't do the old five or six out of ten. You know, I'm gonna say. Because here's the thing, man, is that I want to say that I can sit down and do a double header with Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. and go through a journey, right? And just have uh, so many different visually things thrown at me, literally, when we get into L.A., am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Possibly animation, even. We'll see. But, uh, you know, you just kind of ride that ride. But also, it kind of tells the story of Carpenter's career because... Escape from New York to me is one of the pinnacle films from the like just renaissance in his career when he was making some of the best movies that I've ever seen, especially to come out of the 70s and 80s. And then this movie, you get the other side of that where it's fun, it's schlocky, it's campy, but it's not good filmmaking. Uh, you know, you mentioned cashing a check, which that could be argued, but it's still a Carpenter production, right, or a film. So I'm gonna treasure it. I'm gonna treasure it, Justin, because I don't want to live in a world where I'm never gonna see. I the knew fucking your ass would do this. Russell I and knew fucking Peter ass. Fonda riding I'm a goddamn right wave. And catching a I Cadillac, brother. I so it. I I, I have to now. If I was grading this, it would be middle of the road. But I if one or the other, I have to treasure it. So that's well, where I'm going.
0: That's why I wanted to make it hard for you. Yeah. I wanted to just. It was tough. I wanted you to grab your balls and squeeze on them a little bit and see how hard they were and be like, ah, uh, how much do I like yeah. this? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> there it is. Gerald's treasuring this. Jeremy, trash it or treasure it.
2: Like I said earlier, man, I I can't I can't say this is a bad movie because I enjoy it, but I also can't you know, in good faith say it's a it's a good movie. Either however I, I have a, a ton of fun seeing, you know, Kurt Russell chew the scenery, uh, all the elaborate backgrounds in the movie, some of them CGI, some of them, you know, practical. Um we could we could nitpick this thing to death, um, as as we did and, and as everyone, the general public does, but I'm gonna have to say I treasure it, man. I I, I enjoy watching it, man. It's 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 a fun watch. So treasure all the way.
0: Well, y'all already know what I'm gonna say. We didn't sway you? No, 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 no. And I wish I could say that I treasure it. Um, but maybe when I was in, you know, sixth grade and I saw this movie, I was like, Wow, dude, that hang glider scene looks so fucking cool, man. Yeah. But not now. You know, no, nope, it's to a you it's Justin? a trash it. I'm I'm throwing it in the, the garbage. <laughs> I'm lighting this shit on fire and saying never again. I mean, listen, maybe maybe oh, when I'm man. on a binge. And, you know, I've had, like, at least three quarters of a bottle of Tito's, and I'm like, uh, oh, maybe Escape from L.A. sounds really good tonight, just like another bottle would sound good at that point in time. It's a bad decision. Don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. It's not worth your time. Watch the original Damn, instead. Bro. I'm just saying this. This is You want end. to
1: live in a world where you never see Escape from L.A. again, man. That's, I don't know. That's fine, because
0: I got to see it uh, on 35mm right. right. opening weekend, and <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I got to say that, and half the people listening to this are like, what's 35 millimeters? So, yeah, Mm. I'm that guy. Shoot me, burn me at the stake. It is what it is. So that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for our first episode, our first pilot episode of Epic Film Guys Presents Brain Stew. We fucking hope you loved it and if you didn't tell us how much we sucked and then we want you to listen more like all the time (laughs) this is going to be an ongoing thing jeremy seriously this has been a long time coming
2: yes it has how
0: how you feel man
2: dude i feel i feel good man and just talking about movies hanging out with some buds i love it man you know i I live for this when when me and justin go you know on car rides to our different adventures whether it be you know going to meet celebrities or you know movie stuff uh people that happen to ride with us on these trips they hate their lives because they literally, they'll be in the backseat and me and Justin, if it's a six-hour car ride, me and Justin are talking six hours, nothing but movies. So this is kind of what that felt like, man, just just shooting the shit and debating movies. And funny enough, man, is most of the time we don't really agree on a lot of the same movie stuff. So this this should be interesting.
1: Oh, wow, okay. That'd be cool. That'd be like uh, Justin and Nick all over again. Then, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I live ne- for, man. That never went well, That's man. What, that never you know, went you know, well.
0: Me, me, and, me and the sauce, me and the god of podcasting, you know, he for some reason has really good taste and he agrees with me on everything. And even when he disagrees with me, I- I'm really persuasive and I end up making him sound like he already agrees with me by the end of the episode. And then but, I love
1: look, everything. So yeah,
0: there it is. Yeah. Well, Gerald, that's why I knew this whole trash it or treasure it thing would not work for you. Cause you're going to treasure everything. Uh, no, God damn <laughs> fucking it. everything. But that's it, Ugh. ladies and gentlemen. And you know, Gerald, for those of our listeners, like, literally, if they're brand new or whatever, I have never heard of you, do your two-piece tell them where they can find you on social media and to listen to your show
1: well look man my life is a fucking shambles right now so I'm on a bit of a hiatus uh, from podcasting I'll just kind of be releasing stuff when I can so the easiest thing to do is just go to two peas on a pod dot com that's T W O spelled out they can subscribe there they can uh, go over to my YouTube channel and I'm going to be dropping movie reviews you know maybe two or three times a month so they can check those out and uh, give me a follow but I'll I'll be back in the game as soon as I can Justin as you know so
0: wonderful and we hope hope to have you back here on brain stew as well uh as you guys know this is going to be an ongoing segment on the epic film guys channel on our streams that does not mean that the regular epic film guys show is gone by any means um the more we have more information in terms of what that's going to entail we'll give it to you saucy's been doing lots of stuff at alamo draft house and you know life happens so whenever we want to bring back the main show we will but for now this is going to be the focus of the channel so we hope that you follow along we hope you enjoy it it's really no different at all it's just us and different people talking about shit that we love and uh, that's why you're here and that's why we appreciate you we love you so so much thank you for supporting the show and if you have not yet please follow us on social media at epic film guys twitter facebook instagram everywhere jeremy do you have a social that you want
2: to share right now uh yeah i mean i'm on facebook uh jeremy todd morehead on the facebooks and i on instagram am jt underscore pumpkin underscore guts g-u-t-z so uh give, give me a give me a follow on there i'll follow you back
0: oh oh, pumpkin dude i just literally bought this disgusting vanilla bean pumpkin fucking zero calorie shit from home goods to put in my coffee today and i'm but I'm ready because, ladies and gentlemen, Pumpkin Shit Ch- is out. Gerald's been drinking pumpkin beer tonight. He's there drinking a pumpkin There's beer with Jacko. The Jacko. Right right now and i see dunkin donuts is i think uh, the 23rd or 24th and starbucks is the 18th so i'm sitting here literally like all oh, my halloween shit's already out man i've already got the orange glow behind me here i'm so ready for spooky season and what's better for spooky season than fucking brain stewed oh i thought you were gonna say escape from LA and, like, <laughs> a lot of I was like full- <laughs> no, <laughs> no i know better i know better i know better here but ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to this pilot episode We appreciate you so much. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. it. Drink and enjoy your movies. Good night.